Hello and welcome to the Employment Talk, where we discuss the HR issues affecting you. My name's Glenn Hayes and I'm the Head of Employment at Erwin Mitchell. And my name's Joe Mosley. And we're both employment lawyers at Erwin Mitchell. So, Joe, what are we going to discuss this week? I thought that we could go through a couple of quite important developments. So, I think it was a week week or so ago anyway, the government announced that it planned to get rid of all EU law by the end of 2023, which obviously has significant implications for employment law and HR teams. But I also thought that if we've got time, we'll also have a quick look at the cost of living pressures and whether we're likely to see an impact or an increase in national minimum wage rates. Okay, great. Um, so, Josh, should we start with the EU legislation? Can you tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about it? Yes, of course. So the bill is called the Retained EU Law Revocation and Reform Bill. Easy for you to say. Well, (laughs) indeed. If we go back to Brexit, um, I think most people would recognise that not much has changed in terms of employment law, despite us leaving the EU. So the government decide to preserve the status quo of employment law as at the end of December 2020. Um, And obviously after that date, it was under no um, obligation to follow new EU laws. And to my knowledge, they haven't done so, done so, certainly not in relation to employment. And also, of course, our courts no longer are compelled to follow the decisions of the EU courts. And it's left or it has been left for the government to either legislate to change the law Um, Although there are some changes that both the Court of Appeal and the Supreme Court could make if they wanted to. But again, in an employment law context, I'm not aware that any of that has been exercised um, so far. But that's all set to change. And basically what this bill will do is it will repeal every single piece of EU legislation that's on our statute books by the end of 2023. That's just 15 months away. So it's a huge, huge task. And in order to preserve any any rights, so as you know, we've got a huge number of rights that derive from the EU, the government has got to take steps to retain them by introducing legislation. So it can't just, you know, keep the working time regulations as they are. They will fall away or have to re-legislate in order um, to provide the same protections. But it's potentially massive then, Joe, presumably, because all of these rights are literally indoctrinated on everybody's contracts of employment in terms of conditions. It's not just a case of removing the legislation, is it? No, it's not. It's, it, it's yeah, it's, it's mind boggling, really, what the potential this could be for em- employment law. And if employers just start taking rights off people, they're going to have all kinds of issues about, you know, not only um, keeping employees, but recruiting good candidates at all, presumably. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a crisis, isn't there, of of, um, people being able to get the right people to do the skilled jobs that they need. Reducing the amount of um, benefits that they get is hardly going to endear them to join a company. Employment laws are designed and are put in place to protect employees and workers against unscrupulous employers, effectively. So if there's a free for all, it's going to harm the people, if you like, at the bottom rung of the ladder that are paid the lowest, are on 
sort of pretty unstable contracts anyway. And it's a pretty grim prospect, I think. Well, I think at a time when employers are struggling to recruit people, I can't see people making wholesale changes. But clearly, um, there will be some rights uh, affected by by this, particularly those that relate to European uh, laws. Um, Joe, is there anything that you think particularly will be got rid of altogether? or? Well, I know that um, Liz Truss, when she was um, competing for the role of prime minister talked about the working time regulations and, and the conservative party have had a bee in their bonnet about the conservative uh, about sorry about the working time regulations for years now but according to the times newspaper they were con- particularly concerned with the 48 hour working week which to me has always seemed a bit nonsensical because of course if you want to work longer than 48 hours a week you can contract out of that provision in the working time regulations anyway so i'm not quite sure what that what that means yeah i mean in terms of the eu law that i would look at reform and i'll get rid of altogether i think there's a couple of things really spring to mind so i think in terms of um regulations i think the tubi regulations are obviously ridiculously complicated derived from europe but it's not something that we can just get rid of i think people have tried to simplify them for years and years and not really had any uh, real success but certainly some reform around uh, tubi would be useful particularly to try and resolve situations where one party says there is a tubi transfer one party says there isn't and it's then decided nine months later down the line in mm. an employment tribunal but the other major place I would look at, quite frankly, is the issue of holiday pay. So um, I know you're in, you're interested in the Brazil case, but if you if you even take a step further back than that, Joe, all these cases that deal with overtime and commission and whether that's included as part of the holiday pay, I think the sentiment behind all of these things is great. So it stops sort of employers saying, well, such Joe's. Uh, hourly, you know, the number of hours she works a week is 10 when in fact she works 40 and you calculate the holidays based on the 10 rather than the 40. I, th- I completely agree with that. Mm. But the problem with it, as far as I can see, is there's no real certainty about when overtime should be included. You know, what does regular overtime mean? What does frequency mean in mm. terms of whether it should be included and uh, in the calculation of holiday pay? So to me, some clarity in that area of holiday pay will be will be really welcomed. Yeah, and I'm sure that um, many of our listeners would applaud that. I mean, certainly we had, as you know, we did a really popular webinar um, at the beginning of the month, which talked specifically about term time work, term time workers and the amount of work that, that that's generated because people just don't get it. it. It seems nonsensical. It doesn't appear to be logical. And they're having to make huge amounts of changes to their payroll systems in order to accommodate this decision. Yeah, I know our teams around the country are helping uh, a lot of employers around around that issue. So it's um, you know it's certainly something that a lot of people are grappling with at the minute. Well, let's hope that the governments are listening. So shall we move on now to the issue of pay? Um, and as we know, there's rising cost of living. We're seeing an increase in the number of people that are asking for pay demands in order that they can meet their bills. Um, I, though, think that we ought to concentrate today on people that are just earning around the national minimum wage, because obviously they're going to be affected by the cost of living crisis more so than people on better salaries. Well, particularly if the government maintain its current stance of, uh, of taxation, definitely so. Yes, that's true. 
Well, I don't know if you were aware, but in the summer this year, um, a number of unions proposed that the national minimum wage should be increased to £15 an hour. And what they talked about was getting rid of the age bans altogether. Can I ask you, Glenn, what you think about the principle of getting rid of age bans? Um, there's an argument that you should be paid for the job that you're doing, not the age you are. Do you think you'd agree with that? Uh, yes, to a point, I think. So obviously, historically, the reason for different age rates was to encourage people to take on younger people with little and no experience. The idea being that they're likely to have less experience because of their age. So I think, the, again, the principle behind it is is probably a sound one. I think the difficulty is that they don't really seem to have moved. So the, whilst the wage seems to have gone up um, within those age bands, the age bands really haven't really changed. And I'm not sure that principle is is sort of as necessary as it used to be, if you like. So is the entry level right at 16, for example? So I can see why there might be some changes. I know the TUC with the union you're referring to really, who called on the government to increase that national minimum wage to 15 quid an hour. But I know that a huge amount of employers will literally be having palpitations of that because that is a, this is a huge increase on what the current um, wage bans are. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, the union did say that they knew that the um, employers wouldn't be able to put in place £15 an hour straight away. And they 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 talked about a process whereby we could start to move to what the government calls a high wage economy. But so far, we don't know what the government are likely to respond to that because they haven't said anything. Um, I noticed this week that the Labour Party during their conference have said that they're committed to changing the low pay commission's remit so that it reflects the real cost of living. But again, I'm not entirely sure what that means in terms of hourly pay. I think the conference yesterday um, agreed that they should introduce a £15 an hour increase, but they did that the previous year and that wasn't Labour Party policy. So at this stage, we just don't yet know um, if the Labour Party um, form the next government, whether they will move to a level of pay at £15. Well, I think the organisation behind the real living wage has set out its new rates anyway. So that was £11.95 in London and £10.90 elsewhere. But again, that's considerably higher than the current top rate of £9.50. So I suppose we'll have to wait and see what the Lower Pay Commission will recommend. We usually find that out just before Christmas. But you know, those numbers alone, they're not exactly sort of 10, 20, 30 pence increases. There's, you know, getting up to 15 pounds is a 50% increase. So it's, you know, yeah. we're talking about significant amounts there at a time when I'm not sure many employers can afford that, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The Low Pay Commission has set out a path to achieve 10 pounds 70 by 2024. Um, and their their calculations are based on two thirds of the median own, uh, earnings. And I'm guessing that median earnings are going to increase um, year on year due to the current wage pressures. So it's possible that um, the median wage by 2024 will be higher than the low pay commission anticipate. But again, we'll have to see what happens on that. Yep, I think time will tell. I think. Speaking of time, Joe, I think that means our time's probably up now. So thanks, everybody, for listening to our podcast and uh, tuning in a couple of weeks for our uh, next instalment. Thanks, Joe. And thanks for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>